With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's up, everyone, and welcome back to the program. Yesterday, we learned that Brian Koberger is attempting to subpoena Bethany Funk to try and get her to testify at the preliminary hearing coming up in June. Well, we talked about it a little bit yesterday, but this article from the Idaho Statesman goes into a little bit more detail and gives us a little more context. So let's dive into this article from the Idaho Statesman and let's see what author Kevin Fixler has for us. Headline, Koberger defense team wants the Moscow survivors testimony. This is why they may not get it. And like I said, this article was published by the Idaho Statesman and it was authored by Kevin Fixler. Brian Koberger's defense team believes one of the two surviving roommates from the Moscow stabbings that killed four students has information that could help exonerate their client and is seeking her testimony. Her lawyer is trying to prevent her from appearing at the scheduled preliminary hearing in June. At the request of Koberger's public defenders, Judge Megan Marshall of the 2nd Judicial District Court in Latah County last month forced Bethany Funk to travel to Idaho for the hearing, according to court documents obtained by the Idaho statesman. Marshall wrote that Funk could be a key witness for the defendant in this case and a formal subpoena was issued on April 11th in Nevada, where Funk lives. So, so far, so good for Brian Kohlberger and his defense team. Judge Marshall issues this subpoena after they show due cause for the subpoena to be issued. However, that's not where it stops, and that is not the final say-so. She is no longer a resident of Idaho. Marshall will determine at the scheduled week-long preliminary hearing beginning June 26th whether prosecutors have found probable cause to bring Koberger's case to trial. A criminal investigator working for Ann Taylor, Koberger's public defender, said in a legal filing that police interviewed Funk several times as part of their investigation into the November slayings at an off-campus rental home near the University of Idaho. Funk and another roommate went unharmed in the knife attack that killed their housemates, Madison Mogan, Kaylee Gonsalves, Zana Kernodal, as well as Ethan Chapin, who was staying the night with Kernodal, his girlfriend. In addition, Funk was present when police were called and arrived to the King Road home to find the slain students about eight hours after police allege Koberger entered the home around 4 a.m. Criminal investigator Richard Batanti said, Funk has information that is exculpatory to the defendant. He wrote, a legal terminology meaning the details disprove Koberger's guilt. So according to this investigator, he says that he found information during those interviews or during his investigation, his private investigation, that would lead him to believe that Bethany Funk has exculpatory evidence that would disprove basically what the affidavit or what the other roommate has to say. 
So, of course, they want to get her on the stand. And obviously, for her part, the last thing she wants to do, I would guess, is be a witness for Brian Kohlberger. Portions of information Ms. Funk has is exculpatory to the defendant, Batanti wrote, to justify the out-of-state subpoena. Ms. Funk's information is unique to her experiences and cannot be provided by another witness. The new wrinkle in Nevada adds another U.S. state to the homicide case, which has brought national and international attention to Idaho. This is one of those complex cases where you're going to see a lot of people get wrapped up in a lot of different states. And Brian Koberger, living in several different states, having ties to several different states, and then these victims, some of them having ties to places outside of Idaho, well, you see how it draws other places in. And then, of course, we see in Pennsylvania that they've already been looking into cold cases that might be tied to Brian Koberger. Koberger was attending graduate school just over the Washington state border at the time of the homicides and was later arrested while visiting his family in Pennsylvania. He and his father also were captured on police body cam footage in Indiana as they road tripped from Washington to Pennsylvania during Koberger's winter break from Washington State University. Funk's bedroom was on the first floor of the three-story home in Moscow, and she and the other surviving roommate, whose bedroom was on the second floor, were home at the time of the killings, police said, in an affidavit for Koberger's arrest. And we really haven't heard much about Bethany Funk or about what she saw or didn't see or heard or didn't hear. The majority of stuff that we know that has been released to the public comes directly from that affidavit. And in that affidavit, we hear about Dylan Mortensen and her run-in with the person that the government's saying is Brian Kohlberger. Funk told police in an interview that she saw Kernodal and Chapin at the Sigma Chi fraternity house from about 9 p.m. November 12th until about 1.45 a.m. November 13th when they returned to the King Road home, police said. Sigma Chi is located fewer than 600 feet from the home where the homicides took place. Funk and the other survivor each told police that all five housemates and Chapin were back at the home by 2 a.m., according to the affidavit. Everyone was asleep or in their respective bedrooms by 4 a.m., with the exception of Kernodal, who received a food delivery to the home at approximately 4 a.m., police said. So we know that she got that DoorDash, and we also know that she was up on TikTok, scrolling around, Instagram, whatever it was, at around this time as well. So she wasn't asleep when this all went down. Police said records they downloaded from the two surviving roommate cell phones helped lead them to believe that the homicides happened between 4 a.m. and 4.25 a.m. And one of the roommate cell phones also was used to call 911 dispatch just before noon on November 13th, police said. And we know that it took a very long time for 911 to be called. And honestly, that really hasn't been explained well enough yet either. There's still so much that we don't know. And unfortunately, most of that stuff we won't know until trial, if ever. There are no other references to Funk in the affidavit to indicate what else she may have told investigators. It is not known whether the other surviving roommate was served with a subpoena to testify at the preliminary hearing. She told police she saw a masked man in the house. And that's what I was just talking about. We really don't know too much about Bethany Funk 
and her interaction with Brian Koberger, allegedly in that house, if it ever happened, or what she talked to the police about. All we have are bits and pieces, and certainly we are still far away from the completed story. Funk fends off subpoena. Funk's attorney is trying to nullify the court-ordered subpoena, and the legal demand for her client to appear in Idaho was improperly issued because a hearing on the matter was not first held in Nevada. Reno-based attorney Kellyanne Valoria said in an April 21st court filing, There is no authority to summon a Nevada witness to an Idaho matter without a Nevada judge making a finding of materiality, necessity, and the lack of undue hardship. Valoria wrote, citing a law that does allow for such subpoenas, but only within the state. Thus, even if that law is applied by analysis, no hearing occurred and that important procedural requirement was not met. So what do we always talk about? Loopholes and technicalities. And that's what Bethany Funk's lawyer is doing here. She's utilizing one of these technicalities. You have to follow all of the proper methods, go through all of the proper channels, have all of the proper hearings, or else you will find yourself in jeopardy of the court ruling against you. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. An expanded gag order that Marshall issued in January restricts attorneys for victims or witnesses in the Koberger case from commenting about it outside of court filings. Besides issues over following proper procedure, Valoria, a former longtime county prosecutor, wrote that a preliminary hearing is not the right setting for the defense to summon an out-of-state witness, which, she said, Nevada law does not offer. So you're going to run into a problem of jurisdiction, and there will have to be a battle royale in the courtroom to figure it all out. A preliminary hearing is not meant to become a mini-trial due to its limited purpose in deciding of probable cause, she argued. Arguably, then, if Ms. Funk possesses exculpatory evidence, which remains to be seen, there is no place or reason to present that evidence at a preliminary hearing. The presentation of evidence by the defense is exceedingly rare at a preliminary hearing, but it is allowed in Idaho, said Edwina Elcox, a criminal defense attorney in Boise who previously served as an Ada County deputy prosecutor. Although it's seldom done because it can give away defense strategy to prosecution, she said an attorney may pursue it if it could prevent a case from going to trial. It's a Hail Mary. That's what this is, folks. From the research that I've been doing, the articles I've read the last couple of days now, certainly looks to me that this is nothing more than a Hail Mary on Koberger's part because they know the evidence is really stacked against them. And the last thing they want to do is go to trial. If we're using the word exculpatory, that means it negates his guilt, Elcox told the statesman in a phone interview. The word is very legally significant. If whatever this witness possesses is so significant, it could convince the judge that the state has not established probable cause and to say, okay, this evidence shows that it wasn't him. So that would be very powerful evidence. 
But my initial reaction here is they don't have anything that is that powerful and that the thought of going to trial is terrifying Brian Koberger's lawyers because of all of this evidence that is stacked against them. So obviously, if they can get this thrown out before it gets to any kind of trial, so much the better. The legal and procedural pushback from Funk and her attorney also may derive from the request for her testimony coming from the defense, in this case, rather than the prosecution, Elcock said, and that's where I'm at as well. I believe that if it was the prosecution requesting her come and testify against Brian Koberger, she'd be doing it without any kind of pushback. But considering it's Koberger trying to get her to testify basically in his defense, she doesn't want anything to do with it. And can you blame her? People typically want to cooperate with law enforcement agencies, she said, so I think it's entirely feasible that if the prosecution was seeking her attendance, that there wouldn't be this issue of dropping the subpoena or whatnot. It is unclear whether Funk will be forced to show up June 28th in Moscow through the remainder of the hearing as the subpoena required. A material witness case is listed online as pending active with Judge Barry Breslow and the 2nd Judicial District Court in Washoe County, Nevada. The most recent court filing is Valoria's motion Friday to invalidate the subpoena. There are no upcoming hearings on the case docket. Alicia LaRude, the district court's administrator and clerk of court, said by email. And I'm not certain one will be scheduled, she said. So that's interesting as well. Obviously, we're going to keep our eye on things here and see what comes of this. All right, folks, that's going to do it for me for this one. All of the information that goes with the episode can be found in the description box. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.